This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Who the hell is Scott Lundy? <laughs> I see, I'm reading it. I can see it. I don't see a face. Show me Scott Lundy. We found a Scott Lundy. What's up? The Londonator. The Londonator. Nice call, (laughs) JB. And Sammy McKee. The Toronto Maple Leafs remain red hot five in a row. Sammy, I wish I could say the same about your hour. Didn't say your hour. We're there. Yeah. Soccer Canada officially out Of the world's best tournament. They were out heading into the game today. Yeah, we know that. But now it's like it's now we can't watch them anymore. Yeah. And feelings with it all behind us, Sammy? Are you better for the experience? I don't know. Everyone is, you know, everyone in my life has been kind of texting me. and I've been seeing all the discourse on Twitter and kind of gathering information from people. And there's a lot of, oh, we're, you know, I'm just proud of proud. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm proud of being the only team that didn't get a point in the tournament and, you know, be having a minus five goal differential and getting beat up every game. I'm not necessarily proud of that, to be honest. Not I'm every pr- game. I'm proud of them making it. 100% proud of them making it. But I'm not proud of these results. So we got smoked. Good we got six? embarrassed. Alf- not embarrassed. Alfonso gets the I mean, biggest other- goal in Canadian men's soccer history. Correct. And he takes flack. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, this is how much time do you have? But <laughs> uh, just give me uh, Cole's notes. So he spoke to the, um, after the game, he spoke to the rights holders, which is a, which is something you have to do, right? Like he gave an interview to a couple of the rights holders, I believe TSN here. I don't know what it would have been and the other ones. So he spoke to a couple people and then he kind of blew past the mix zone, which is more of your general, like they would have with Sheldon Keefe at the podium. It was more like the mix zone. And he blew past that and went to the locker room. And there was a few people within the Canadian sports media that were a little bit bent out of shape about that. How old's Davies? He's pretty young, I think. 21, 22. He's Biggest a kid. moment of his career there. I think we give him a pass. I Listen. My God. It's not the World Cup of writing. No. It's the World Cup of soccer. So I'm going to stick with my boy Davies on this one and be okay. But listen, I, I think it was a pretty frustrating time for everybody involved. I mean... You fly over all the, all the way over there as a writer, hoping for something good, and they they lose all three games. They don't really perform that well. I guess they played well against Belgium. They couldn't finish. I don't know. No. I I, I want to say I'm proud, but I'm not necessarily proud today. I hate I hate to say that. The bar is high. But that's see, this why. is this is good though because that's that comes from a place of legitimate expectation of not just being content to be there. You know, you're talking to a guy that's been knocked out of the first round six years in a row. Sammy. Yeah, not me personally, right? but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No longer satisfied with, with making no it. No longer. And this is what it's all about. Yeah. And hey, the, the, the bar's just really high. I will say it was an education for someone like myself who doesn't watch a lot of soccer and followed the lead up when they played so well. Yes. And, and you that know, was fun too. Yeah. Right? The snowbank. For sure. It was all super fun. And then so seeing the best in the world, seeing Croatia's midfield and being like, oh. A new appreciation. Right. Like we have a couple of guys who can hang at that level, yeah. but we don't have 11. I think it, it comes down to the realization for me is that 
no matter how much money we spend and how many guys we develop and how many guys we bring in from other, you know, because there's guys with dual citizenships that you can kind of massage into playing for Team Canada and all this stuff. No matter how much we do that, we're never going to be like Croatia or we're never going to be one of these teams that like have a threat. Excuse me. We'll never beat teams like Croatia. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, listen, we're never going to be able to, we're not going to be able to compete with English and sorry, with European powers. That's not what, our Super Bowl, we can't our, find, our World Cup, we can't is find making eleven it. good players to one day compete. I think this is the start. I mm. think this stokes a fire, gets more people involved. I fear, you know? I fear that this, like, I, I just, I have fears. The sheer numbers aren't there for us to no. drive a program listen, that it's, can. It's. It, I just compared to. I was talking about this with, with a few of the guys at hockey this morning, and it's it's comparing it to us in hockey versus. Like are we come up, our first thoughts, our sport right. is hockey. Croatia, they don't have as nearly as many advi- people, but the first thing they think of is we're going to play soccer. And, and the, they're the good big at thing, it. though, then, is enrollment numbers. And yeah. so all of Croatia seems to be enrolled in I, soccer, but and, ours will go up. And by the way, I heard that argument for basketball. It's coming. And hey, the Raptors winning the championship and, and them being relevant and everything and that helps. We keep pushing. Yep. Stars this is how now. You, this is how you in get the NBA. in the mix. That wasn't the case twenty years ago. I'm just dejected today, boys. I, yeah, it was hard to watch. We're gonna that. pick you up, Sammy. I we can talk Leafs. We are gonna talk. God, Leafs. That's a good, good side. People, in people in the YouTube. Oh, great Leafs talk. Oh, no, no, oh. <laughs> yeah, can you relax? <laughs> good lord! <laughs> Once every four oh, years, oh, great the biggest yeah. on the globe. Oh, skip to the Leafs. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Take a lap and let good them know lord. we got like two hours. <laughs> yes. Two hours to talk about twenty guys. <laughs> Every day, Monday through Friday. Oh, sharks in game 24. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Team Canada's out of the World Cup. Our nation played in the biggest competition in soccer. We have a five-minute chat. And we're getting beaten up. For All right, where, where do we start from last night? Let's talk about the most important player on the ice last night. Talking about Sam Sonoff? No. Oh. Matt Colliver? No. Oh? Mm, the guy just won the Hart Trophy? Nope. Oh. Eric Carlson? No. Oh. oh. I don't know where you want to go. Thankful. <laughs> he doesn't score the goal. Yeah. Mitch doesn't get the uh, empty netter. Oh, yeah. Right? He gets an assist. A and do you, do you like the Leafs' chances or Mitch's chances of getting a point in overtime these days? <laughs> Good point by you. No, awesome I do not. Point. No. I actually, I was going to. was the most important guy last night. I really liked Kerfoot's play on that. He had nothing, right? He, he shot that for the pad. I had a really good play in Engvall. You know, right place, right time. Smacks it at the net. Nice, to, go. nice to see two really good Kerfoot moments within five minutes of each other because it had been three weeks in between <laughs> the last couple. So. What was the other one? Well, the one where he shot it off the pad. Oh, and yeah. that was a good play. It was a good shot pass, really good, I thought. Really good. And then he made the nice pass, breakout pass to Marner to get him the uh, point streak continued. So anyway, Kerfoot. Ties Daryl Sittler and Ed Olchuk with a point streak uh, consecutive 18 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into that, Mitch Marner, I don't know if you guys noticed, Toronto Star today wrote a little bit of a piece. I'm sure you guys are going to rip on me momentarily. <laughs> I'm going to try to delay that as long as I can and uh, and just talk about like the overall vibe. I was at the game. Yeah. I was in the alumni box. Uh, you've been in the seats. They're, they're really fantastic seats when it comes to kind of watching the plays develop. Premium. And, uh, and it wasn't. A box of chocolates, I'll be honest with you, no. from, from where I was sitting. Uh, I don't think you sit anywhere and make that one a box of chocolates. You're 100% right. Yeah. But what impressed me 
was that when you're dealing with a 1-1, I, I didn't see the Leafs pressing. Mm-hmm. I didn't see them doing something that uh, is kind of uh, uh, out of their, you know, realm of what we've seen in the last two and a half, three weeks. They stayed fairly structured a couple times in tight. Samsonov was there for them. Mm -hmm. And I I think, again, when you're talking about sometimes you got to dummy things down in the playoffs or just be patient and wait for your opportunities, I saw a little bit of that last night. For sure. It it has been a patient team. I would say this has been the best you can play while being uninteresting to talk about because they're just kind of doing the right things. They waited out. They're in the right spots. Oh, Babs would love this, wouldn't he? Oh, nowhere to stand in the right places. <laughs> a lot of that sort of stuff. So it, it's, it is, it's not the most thrilling hockey last night in particular, not a ton of chances being traded, but it, what's the, the, the goals to get two points. They're getting it done. Yeah. I thought the first period was a vintage let down Leafs let down spot. The puck just didn't go in the net. I thought we I, could I lost th- ten bucks on uh, betting on the Sharks last night. Well, it was a good bet. I Thank just you. I, I think, oh, you really thought they were going to come I in and, uh, and and catch the Leafs sleeping? Yeah, and they were like they plus two thirty or something. Yeah, and they had a couple breakaways. By the way, Gregor's breakaway was at five minutes in yeah. or something like that. Like the length of the ice, so much you got to stop skating. That's the worst shot I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was at the other end. Yeah, and. <laughs> Where did it go? He missed the it net was like by a, a foot and a half. And, and it, it, was, it looked to me more like a field goal than it did uh, 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 a normal shot on goal. And like if your shot selection, if you're going to just shoot it on a breakaway, good play. Like some deception, a, a little lean, a fake, and open the blade up. He just went down there and smacked it at the boards. It's like... Get it in it's deep. as if he said to himself, I have no business being in this position. <laughs> I'm just going to dump it in and change. A dump I need, and change from I, the hash marks. Corsi, extend my ozone time. Keep it deep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yes, uh, the, not a great first period for the Leafs. But yeah, Samsonov made the same saves he had to make. And they're just kind of hanging around, man. I don't know if you saw this in person or I, I texted this to the group last night. But little, little tentative with Samsonov. Looked like he might. Not that he rushed back. They're never going to rush him back. They have all the... Yeah, all the long, he just looked he like... He was out a while. Yeah, he just looked like he was not necessarily trusting a push. Like yeah. a little bit worried about the knee still maybe, thinking about it here and there. You see that or am I, am I out to lunch? I, you know, I, if I'm being honest, I didn't see anything. That doesn't mean it wasn't the case. Yeah. I'm also... I watched the goalies, you know, last. The, the least possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, very possible. All right. I was up around the alumni buffet probably on a few occasions. Eating so I Atlantic salmon. I don't think I saw what you saw, Sammy. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's regardless. I mean, these bad goals or, you know, and soft goals aren't an issue right now for this team, no matter who's in the net. So you tell me what to prioritize. We want to do the, the game and the team, or do we want to do the Marner streak? Well, you got it. You got to go jump right into uh, Mitch Marner at eighteen. Uh, it's still alive. Uh, the one thing that I got out of that more than anything was just the emotion that he had. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's something that's magical about anything, and we saw it with Austin last year uh, on a on a on a run that uh, can put you and your teammates up with history. Yep. There seems to be some real uh, joy coming out of the uh, the team. We saw the viral image of Mitch getting doused in the dressing room after the game. 
Like, how can this not be something that continues to build blocks for the Toronto Maple Leafs? For sure. So did you write the article before or after that game? Getting to see how beloved Marner was and cheered and hugged by his friends. So you think I'm... Uh... I'm going to the alumni box. I'm having three or four beers, and then I'm going to write an article. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I, I just is like, oh. I've never seen a guy showered with so much love and affection. <laughs> it's just, if there was ever going to be a day for that one to come out. It's perfect. <laughs> today, just no, it's he has never been given more appreciation In what? than today. The last few months? No, I'm, today, I'm, I think, the last... is the peak. Like, we talked about this a little bit on Leafs Talk last night, but this is the moment to celebrate him, right? Because last year, Ma- uh, Matthews had the 60 goals and it was this big chase for that. And Rudy was talking about that. This is kind of not the equivalent of that, obviously. It's not the same. But don't you feel like it's kind of now that they're showering all the appreciation on him? Like it's kind of the time for him to get his his spotlight here? Yeah. 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 And, and I wonder, here's a guy that's been the two-time first-team All-Star now, and and yet he needed to do this to get the appreciation that you guys are talking about. I don't know. Like, what do you think he is? A top two player in the league? Like, how much uh, is he's, it? He, he's not. He's easy again, top ten you, right you, now. You're, you're, you're talking about now, um, you know, something that's very I subjective. Know. For sure it is. Okay? So it's not about, okay, he slid into number two. It's just he's starting to get the attention of top, top players. And it just seemed for me, and I, I try to uh, articulate this in, in the uh, in the Toronto Star article I wrote today, was that, you know, it, it's been a tough grind for him. Those first early years mm-hmm. were not something normal top five guys go through. And just something as simple as your first training camp where – you know, you're buried into a throwaway exhibition game in but London, this seems Ontario. Like old grudges to me. No, it's not. It's not actually. It's it's uh, it just helps people understand the the path that he needed to get to the point where he's getting doused and he's being beloved, mm-hmm. and and that's just it. It it's been a journey for him. Yeah, it's just a reminder. It's not bringing up old wounds, and mm. it, it's just putting it in perspective on how far this guy's come uh, in six years to get to that place where, you know, maybe you should be talking to him like you talk about uh, Pat Kane and, and McDavid and, and Matthews and, you know, a handful of these guys. Yeah, I just think I feel like he has. It could be different than, you know, my perception, how other people see it. I'm reading an article right now in The Athletic. Mitch Marner is a unique player in the NHL and Maple Leafs history. You're right, today... There's a lot more praise than ever. Yeah, we, we you never saw that. Even when he was named first-team All-Star, you never got stuff like that. I also had a buddy uh, text me saying that, don't you think the Leafs could get over the playoff hump if they approach do-or-die games with the same team energy they put towards these individual milestones? They do seem to pour themselves as a team. The chase for Matthew 60 was a big one. The whole team last night seemed to be working to get it for Marner. It- I don't think that's any different than what... Uh- Gretzky's gone through or anybody uh, Ovechkin's yeah. going through now. Just trying to help your buddies get yeah. him over the hump. Yeah. And it's like it's it's a nice distraction for teams and it's you know, maybe you, you tend to not focus on the mistakes I'm making if you're all the attention's going to another guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, 
it's fun to be around. I mean, I didn't really go on anybody's major run, but it's nice even being on the ice when a guy like Mark Messier scores his 500th NHL goal. It's so, just great energy. It is. So is Mitch Marner and his camp's satisfaction with the amount of praise and adulation? Are we there this now? Is all, this is what it's about? Yeah, I do. No, it's not. It's not what it is. It's totally not what it's all about. Then I don't really get it. Like Gord was on our show yesterday going, yeah. I think people love this guy. You see him miss the empty net and fans are like distraught. Yeah. Over him not getting his appropriate flowers. It, it, it is it, a flower rain yeah, today. It, it, it is coming. But yeah. uh, we know that uh, uh, it hasn't been the case uh, in those early years. And it hasn't been the case after every playoff round. And he's gotten beat up more than anybody else after playoff runs. Well, I mean, the one after the Habs one for, I mean, for good reason, right? Like, it's not like it was just complete. You know, he was good last year against the, the Bolts, and I think he played well, but they was not good against the Habs, and they lost right? to a historic rival in heartbreaking fashion, just, and he, you play for the most popular team do you think, in yeah. the league. Do you think there's gonna a rivalry have between Matthews and Marner? 100% there is. And it's no different than the yeah, er- I thought early like rivalry. It, it's not about being besties. It's about um, uh, creating a, a healthy competition. And both of them want to be lead, team leaders. Yeah. Both of them want to win scoring titles on their teams, respective yeah. teams. There was one with Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. Until you figured out who the alpha dog was. Mm-hmm. And once Malkin figured it out, he was he was in a happy place. But is prior there, to that, they, they were going at it. Is there any history of guys just making it work as two superstars trying to win a team through, you know, push a team through? I feel like that's the only solution for this team, right? Although they, I mean, it's not like they haven't worked together great on the ice. So I guess it's just like a... It does feel like fans have they pick a camp, I guess, to you some extent. You see how extent. I ended my article today? I love you guys! Uh, I did, but I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, until the first game's over in game one. Yeah. Then all bets are off. He wets the bed. They're all, they're all over him. They'll kill him again. They'll beat him up. That's part of that's being a pro ev- athlete that's, that's but they, and but, a superstar. But, but, but they'll Matthews go to him first be- Matthews took before, a beating too, before, before Matthews. Yeah. And before Tavares. They took And what is the biggest difference? There was a there was a a build from the moment and again, this is what I try to uh say in the article. We're talking about first pick overalls. There's just a an aura that comes with that, right? For sure. And Mitch didn't get that one. Right. So he's more, he was seen more of not uh, a top top 18-year-old, mm-hmm. the very top. So there was always a, a little bit of a, a cushion for those guys as as first pick overalls. But yeah, and I, they don't. The tendency is that they've they've gotten a little bit more of a, a cushion around disappointments. Yeah, you don't. You, you, can you see that at all or no? Yeah, I can see that at all. Um, you know, a lot. Some Matthews of that at least a, is justified. Matthews took a beating too, guys. Like that's not just. We're we're talking about the Habs playoff series. That's the one that I will think back on. Listen, they've had some disappointing ones. They've lost the Bruins, whatever. Yeah. But every the vitriol was at its after that playoff series, and I just saw just as much of Matthews smiling, getting ragdolled by Sherratt. Yeah, people, that's the image. People killing him for that. Like, they, like listen, 
Marner, sure, maybe take a little bit more. But, like, both of them have gotten... And the thing with Tavares is, Tavares is never going to take the beating that any of them take because of his decision to come home, his come to play here in Toronto, seemingly taking a discount, which is an insane sentence to say. Pajama boy. (laughs) Whatever that just said, pajama boy. I just... I think that the narrative that is a little bit wrong. I do. I think Matthews takes a beating in the playoff stuff, too. I really do. Austin Matthews missed the Connor McDavid, Eichel, Strom, Marner draft, if I'm not mistaken, by a few days. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, he yeah. January birthday or something? Mm-hmm. No, September. September, right? oh, yeah. So if, in fact, mom delays it and he's in that draft, mm-hmm. where does Austin Matthews end up getting drafted i have no idea well just behind mcdavid i guess oh for sure right yeah we know that yeah and so two jack eichel i i i mean he was chosen ahead of him in his own draft wasn't he no sir those were different years but yeah i still think he's the he'd go ahead you go ahead are you judging that on on what you've seen up until this point are you perception at that time are you going back in that time and saying and this is where um, I think he was a uh, held up as the above Eichel, don't you think? At that time, uh, I no, I, I think we had, had seen a lot so more what? out so of you're Jack saying if out he of goes Boston. Three, what we so what changes? I, I think it it just would have felt differently as a third pick overall. I think you look at Leon Drysaddle right now, and that's you know he was third overall, right? I think he was lower than that, wasn't he? Was he? Uh, I don't know. I no, I think you're right. Yeah. I think he is a third. I just never. But he played up to it. No one, like, do you remember that early uh, year where they, Leon was lost, man. He was just, and people were, Fourth. people were talking about Leon being a bust Yeah, in his first year. He, he looks slow sometimes, right? For being the best player on earth who isn't McDavid and Matthews, really, basically. Yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I, got, I, I remember watching Leon very closely in, in his rookie year and going, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. And now we are, now he's like one, two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's ridiculous. Ridiculous so, player. I just never, ever think of Matthews being like, I, I don't think of him being a first overall pick. I don't think of the drafts. I just think of them being good players. Like I, don't, I know you. But do you, but, I mean, but you hold him in high regard. Anybody really as a first overall pick. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a clout that uh, few guys get to. Yeah, but do you think that's something that's ever talked about? Like, to me, like, it's just they're talked about as good players as opposed to where they're drafted, to me. I don't think it really matters where you're drafted if you turn into an incredible player. I do think player. first overall gives you a little bit of an extra yeah? sheen. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I just, it's something I would... I have usually yeah, I because it. it's earned, right? I haven't like, talked about him being first drafted there for a reason. I talk... I have Leaf fan conversations literally every day of my life, and I haven't had that conversation since whatever day he was drafted. Yeah. So... I, I just I don't know if it's in the vernacular of Leaf fans. Maybe maybe to the guys who actually play it matters, but to fans, I don't think it's something that really comes up that often. All right, let's go to uh, Marner on tying the record uh, on our first uh, Kipper Clipper. Yeah, honestly, that that was really special. Um, that meant a lot. You know, like we were talking about uh, yesterday about family being here, and I got my family here, and um, you know, it was a special moment to. Obviously, they're not beside me, but um, I'm sure they're in the crowd loving that moment, too, and just, you know, taking it in with me. And um, it was a special moment to grow up in this city, be a huge fan of this team, and now have my name with uh, a couple unbelievable players. It's it's pretty special. And, uh, you know, a kid growing up would have never expected this, and 
now it's uh, you know kind of a reality, and it's it's, uh, it's a cool moment. But obviously, winning the game is more important, and that was, that was a great job by Kerf and Pierre there to get that second goal and get us going to you know lead to that opportunity. Buzzing, man was buzzing. The first period, uh, I I think I text the group that he was uh, like the way he was hunting pucks was unbelievable like these he's playing uh, in the neutral zone four check knocks one out of the air turns it over and goes the other way they get a chance it goes back the other way and he strips someone from behind to turn it back around like he was humming or in their phrasing now buzzing buzzing last night to start that game um so let's let's go to him on uh unless you want to add no to that. you go oh uh, just on him on on if he was relieved because it did get pretty hilarious at the end of the game when he had a couple of cracks at it and, and didn't bury yeah, I mean, did you see me? I mean, <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk to my father. He's going to be like, what the hell are you doing on that passing first one? And Big Mike on the bench right away looked at me and couldn't believe I tried to pass it to him, too. He was, he was pissed at me, to be honest. But, um, you know, like I've been saying, these guys have been unbelievable. And without them, this, this, this isn't possible. And, um, you know, it was definitely a relief uh, after it went in. And, you know, the first two were pretty ugly attempts there by me. And, um you know, for these guys just to keep trying to find me there and keep telling me that uh, they're looking for me means a lot and, you know, shows how much we love each other in this locker room and want to try and, you know, accomplish great things together. Big Mike. I, We're doing Big Mike for bunting? I, yeah, that's probably not the most appropriate. That's like calling me tiny. <laughs> uh, oh, little Sam. Um, little I, Sam. <laughs> I don't, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't believe he passed. That's just uh uh, a natural You're right. subconscious bingo that's reaction. exactly he's a playmaker at heart that's what he does and he was passing it like i couldn't believe he passed he was at the blue line with an open lane to an empty net and he's like i'm gonna saucer it to a covered guy <laughs> and then he ended up going to the net anyway he's missing that uh over the last few years we have heard references that these guys really love each other mm-hmm. jack set that tone all of last year yeah Right. There is a, a genuine love for each other. Yeah. And there does seem to be, you know, it's so weird when things were squirrely there earlier in the season to get that sense. Right. Because it comes from the coach that he's trying to lift yeah. people up. And but and I don't know. It's, it's just tough when you're losing. So winning certainly makes well, that a whole lot easier. And, you know, there's times when it you'd like to see that love a little more, mm-hmm. I think. Probably at early, those times when they are leaving, you'd like to Early, you'd like you know, that whole episode with Austin and uh, Konechny. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see more love there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it out of Geo, but yeah. Geo's really not the first guy at soon to be 40 years of age that I'd like to see that much love from. This guy's a beauty, though. Right? Hey, Geo, what a season he's having. <laughs> You're right. I get but it. But yeah. that's... For me, that's where it, the love has to show, not mm. in the dressing room or at a Christmas party or in Florida. It has or on to a West Coast swing to California, maybe. Has to be <laughs> on the ice. That's yeah. where the love really matters. Did you see the screenshot I tweeted the other day of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning? Their goalie got hit. Someone in San Antonio Bortuzzo oh ran God. into. Four guys were mitts off. There was three guys beating him up, and whoever was the defensive Sergeyev. was doing the old Sergeyev throwing the mitts down. Like, it was unbelievable. It was <laughs> like, right? like they, they haven't for days, yeah. and someone <laughs> tossed a T-bone in the middle of the room. Like, you know, that that's a team that's been through it, and you know, it's certainly that element that you don't have to, you don't have to fight all the time, but good to have each other's backs. Speaking of having each other's backs, Matthews uh, had some enjoyable comments on the point streak. Why don't we finish this topic? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, man, we're losing it a little bit there. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy he got it. Honestly, it was, uh, 
uh, I was, yeah, I was getting a little, a little scary there for a sec. And then, uh, you know, yeah, third time's a charm, I guess. But, um, yeah, we're also pumped from obviously he's, uh, you know, during this stretch he's been playing unbelievable, leading our team on both sides of the puck and just uh, just competing every night. So we're all so happy for him. And obviously, uh, you know, took to the last, uh, last minute of the game and, uh, and a few scares, but we're happy he got it. Matthews now up to 12 goals, 15 assists through 25 games. Uh, certainly a big part of now uh, uh, finishing off a hot November. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe talking about uh, the last 30 days in November. I don't, I, I don't do a whole lot of looking back. You know, um, I think we obviously we're in, a, we're in a good place here now and, and feeling good as a team. We got a lot of confidence. We feel like we're, we're where we should be. Um, you know, obviously, if we started better, we'd be in an even better spot. But, you know, maybe if we didn't start the way we did, maybe we don't have as good a November. Like, the, like a lot of things happen over the course of 82 games. And, you know, I feel good about this month, but calendar's going to turn. And that's, you know, the calendar turning is something I said when we turned from October to November. Calendar, calendar turns. You know, I think we're just getting through 10 games or so, uh, you know, through October. And we said we're going to push on from there and... We're going to push on from here and take a day off tomorrow. Good practice day. Get out to Tampa. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the calendar turns. You like the way they played. What a November. 25 of a possible 30 points they picked up after starting as poorly as they did. Not too shabby, fellas. Probably uh, a good time to maybe go down to Tampa and send another message. <laughs> to the Lightning? No, I, I don't know. You can go down there and like they're playing great go win hockey. In their barn, and yeah. uh, Sammy tells me they're they're playing in the first round. It's true. They are they are future uh, playoff opponents. 100%. A nice six-two win Saturday night. Sammy will do nothing. No, it won't do nothing. It's I, doing a lot. I think honestly, you. I think this is the this is the biggest game of the year so far. For sure, is that a, is that a crazy is that a crazy no. obvious thing to say? No, I think it's a worthy observation. Like they they're going in there. This is going to be Matt Murray. Where now you you have Samsonov who played well last night. You have a quote unquote option behind him. Matt Murray going in there as your number one. Mitch Marner with a point streak record point streak on the line against a team that you hate. It's an exciting one Saturday night. It's a big game. It's it is. a. That's a that's a go Leafs go game. Leafs talk after the game. You doing it? Oh yeah. All right. Oh yeah. So I, I'm 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 excited for that one. So that is uh, that is a, it's a great spot. They're going to be without Callie Yarncroc, who's out a while with a groin injury. Does this mean we get to see Nick did, Robertson? Did, did you see him? Did you see it? Period. <laughs> no, I actually do kind of remember the play. Yeah, it you do. It, it wasn't overly noticeable. Like it hey, wasn't. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, because I didn't see him come off the ice at all. Yeah. So I, I do wonder though if that earns Robertson some more looks. He almost scored. Shot one through. What's his name? Aiden Hill. I don't remember the goalie's name. So he also had a chance where the puck landed on his stick and he walked down to like just below the circle and he had a clean shot. Yeah. And he the net. bangs one off the glass. It's like man. Those are your moments, kid. Yeah, like, what are you out there for? Like, that's your time. If you're going to be Steph Curry and say you, you hit threes, when you catch you it behind the arc, we need you to hit one. So he just banged it off the glass. I'm sure he was thinking about that one. But, yeah. I uh, Trying to be too perfect. It's a big opportunity for him now because you'll pro- you think that he would slot in there where Yonkrok was playing, no? Like, do you think they'll just put him right back in that line? Probably. Yeah, that's... 
I don't think it's a given, yeah. to be honest with you. Depends if they liked his game last night. Just who else? Can, can you watch the first five minutes in Tampa Bay Saturday? Right, yeah, then make the call. I, just who's coming up for the Leafs? So the forwards have been remarkably healthy this year, but it's something to keep an eye on, like take a look at the Marlies. It ain't Punchy Douglas coming up, so I don't know don't know who it would be. But All right, well, thin. Sammy's already named uh, Matt Murray uh, starting Saturday night, uh, but we got to get ourselves some Samsonov uh, Kippers Clippers, do we not? Uh, yes, got a couple really good ones. All right, let's go to Sammy 2. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, <laughs> nice win again today. I'm We're happy for Michi. It's pretty funny. Was that Ludka from Taxi? <laughs> I love, I love how quick he, so, he talks like a machine gun. So he got asked because apparently he called that the streak would keep going yesterday, mm-hmm. and then he got he got asked about his call. We got to hear the look into the future one, Derek. It's so good. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I look to the future. <laughs> How much longer can he go? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, was that a Messier guarantee? <laughs> we'll see. I, I saw, thought I saw on Twitter he eventually settled on 50 games is what he said. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah. even hear that part. No, yeah. that's funny. He's guy's hilarious. Last he, one from him. Should we do one more? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I love him. On the early that's a, breakaways. Yeah. It's a nice warm-up for me, yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. The defense was, <laughs> I like it. It's a nice breakaway. And uh, for confidence after Marshad shootout, yeah, I need, a, I need a little bit of confidence back. <laughs> for confidence after the Marshad shootout, I needed it. <laughs> it's a nice warm-up for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I love it. Man. He was pretty good, uh, you know. Oh, I had no problem with uh, anything out of him out of yeah. uh, being off for so long. As of today, he's played 57 minutes, Murray's played 57 minutes, and Shalgren's played 56 minutes, I believe, in net for the goaltender for the Leafs this year. So three guys have played about an hour of hockey. And if Leafs. I would have told you that the Leafs would be 15, 5, sorry, and five, 5. Times 10. On that? Yeah, I got what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's right? that? And if I would have told you that it'd be 15, 5, and 5 in sub- I know. at the end of with, September or uh, at the beginning of the season. With all those guys. Gone, not a chance. I know. It's not ab- a chance. Absolutely crazy the success they've had without really having a clear starting goaltender this whole way. So that's great. Do you want to hear what Sheldon had to say about Ilya? Yes. All right. Let's hear Keith on Samsonov. Well, he told us he was ready. So obviously, like, let's find out. Yeah, it's uh, it, credit to him. You know, it, it's... Not an easy start there with some of those looks. Like I you know, say, we're, they got two in the first period. They'll be shooting the shin pads, and they go the other way. But uh, he stood his ground on it, and it's obviously similar type of plays that he got hurt on. You know, it's not a penalty shot, of course, but one-on-one like that, and he looked great, moved well, kept them out one in the game. You know, they, they had a chance in the third period very similar to the one that they scored on in the second, very close in the crease, and... He made the correction. You know, he made a mistake on the first one there, but he made the correction, made the save at a key moment. He, he was great. So really good to have him back and, and uh, you know, for him to keep keep them out one and give us a chance to win, obviously, that's huge. We've got Sam Cosentino coming up uh, after the break. Uh, in about five minutes, we're going to take a little time off and then bring him in. Steve Aliquette also will join us uh, in the second hour. Uh, prior to that... Uh, just want to talk a little Mac Hollowell. Oh, he got the belt, apparently. Like, we're talking about a lot of love mm-hmm. spreading around. Uh, certainly. Big Mac. Matthews is. Apparently, uh, his name's Cheese. Oh, pretty happy right? with the nice little uh, slap pass. Great play. 
Yeah, but what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, uh, 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 you know, do you think he's going to be used as all, a guy? All I know is yeah. that we knew nothing about him. Yeah. He comes up. He's got a couple of helpers. Smart player. He skates well. Yeah. A heads-up play. And next thing you know, you got yourself an asset. Yeah, he's showing himself Mac. able, you know, an asset. What yes. Do you, what do you mean by that? Well, what do you think I mean by that? I, I, God love the guy, but I don't mean I haven't seen that much out of him. I'm just like, keep going. Yeah, right? I, I, it would be interesting throughout the course of the season. To get, I don't if know. He plays I mean, more. can he turn himself into a six or seven instead of an eight or nine in the next couple of weeks? Can it get to the point where someone goes, hey, you don't have to be. Six feet back there. He's he's mobile. He's got uh, a good head. He skates yeah. well. I think I can got his you, dad in you, my mentions, or maybe you, his uncle or hey, something. If, is if you all need, over me about Hollowell. If you need to make a bold move, could he be thrown into a deal now? All of a sudden. Uh, so I don't think so. Okay, I, but yeah, it's just my I'm, take. I'm just yeah. We're doing takes. We're doing takes. My take. I don't. Think so? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. My DMs, though, I got his uncle or someone being like, ah, you guys are too hard on this kid. He's, you know, what he played four games so far. Super good pass to, to Matthews there. What's he, he averaging? He's 12, 13 minutes? Yeah, he's been capable. And not getting buried. No, he hasn't been. You know, I don't know where things. it goes. Have you ever, and well, of course you have. You've seen this a million times where there's a need in a lineup and a guy gets elevated beyond where they typically play and they have some great games and people go, ah, this guy, you know, like maybe he can do it. And then you do it long enough and the sample size gets big enough. And you go, oh, that's why they were where they were. You know, I think there's some leveling out here. He's been very good in a good situation. I like, Let's not get too excited. I like how he makes decisions somewhat quickly. Yes. He doesn't, he doesn't, I think he doesn't dust good it feet. off. Good feet, for sure. Yeah. Move the puck up the ice. He's like... I think he probably, if you look around the league, there probably aren't many better 10th defensemen than Matt Hallwell. You're right. I think you can also have a conversation like, okay, uh, there's a bunch of injuries. It's game two of the playoffs. Do you want Mete or Hallowell? I'll have a conversation with you about which one you want because I'm not sure it's Mete. Yeah. But. Right-handed shot. Yeah. Does that not give him a leg up? Good point. Maybe it does. Yes. So, yeah. Good good start for uh, so, for Matt Hallowell. So, so I just wanted to go back to something because you chirped me about me putting Murray in net. You're obviously putting Murray in net on Saturday, right, Kip? I am, yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that You also read my Matt Murray article, right? Yeah, I know I did. I, I, did. Uh, I anointed him uh, king of the leaf net <laughs> before the season I'm looking started. forward to talking to Valaket about him. So I messed up the numbers that everyone had played before. They've all played like 560 minutes is what I meant to say. Um, yeah, we knew that. Uh, did you? Yeah, I just didn't want to embarrass you. Thanks, man. <laughs> You're a good guy. <laughs> but, you know, nice nice that they got a couple of guys. It is funny that, uh, you know, we never thought on this show, like, should they claim Cal Peterson? Like, no one had a, any hesitation about that. Nobody claimed Cal Peterson. and Backloaded deal. He's going to the American Hockey League in uh, Ontario for, yep. uh, for the London or uh, for the LA Kings. Um, and... He is going to Ontario, just not here. Yeah, uh, like that, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow if you're Rob Blake right now. To send him down after that contract. Now, is that just to send a message to the rest of your team? Is that a wake up call? He lets in 
I think, four the other night. Yeah. And I don't know. You just reactionary you mentioned that i yeah it felt like it i mean one of them is like from the goal line he gets hit in the shoulder pad it goes up in the air and falls behind his head like it was just one of those day games so i don't necessarily think the best way to uh boost the kids <laughs> confidence struggling confidence is to send them the waivers and have them clear yeah look that may, that may not you know be the best you? nobody yeah he's like we don't want you here and nobody else wants you so i guess no one else wants you at that much money have fun and have fun in the ahl there's got to be something there that's led them to five million Times five, or was it three. five? Three. Five times three. Fifteen? Yeah. Fifteen, yeah. 15 yeah. times three? Yeah. Something. Yeah. So, anyways, okay, we'll take a quick break. We got Sam coming up after the break. Are you working with Sam tonight? I am. No, not Sam. No, no cause tonight. It's me, Sarah Nurse. CC right. and Sarah Nurse tonight. Oh, awesome. We'll bring in Sam after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Sammy. Be back. We're back. And as promised, Sam Cosentino will join us now. Sportsnet hockey analyst covering the NHL, but a guy that uh, has watched uh, Mitch Marner over the years. Watched him uh, very closely in in junior hockey. Uh, Sam, just what you saw, not only last night out of Mitch Marner, but uh, throughout the whole streak is... Is this where you thought a fourth pick overall would would end up uh, back then? Is it uh, is he exceeding even your expectations after watching him and play for the London Knights? You know what, Kipper is exceeding my expectations, and the only concern I had about him and at that time was his size. And he's still kind of slight of frame, although he's you know he's obviously thickened up and strengthened up a little bit. But man that same lightness he had in his feet he had in junior his ability to know where to go that was evident in junior his hand-eye coordination is ridiculous uh the edge work crazy all of those things were present in, in his game in, in, in london but to think that he was going to play this well and become you know almost 100 point guy last year and on that pace uh, again this year that's uh that's pretty amazing stuff for for a guy who's uh who's his size but uh there's no doubt the talent was there Cause, what have you seen in the evolution of young players playing in the NHL? It, it feels like it used to be a, such a different process trying to break in, and now guys kind of get in sooner. What, what has changed over the years for you? I think a lot of individual training. Yeah. There's been such a focus on that. So everyone has a, you know, all these high-end guys have skating coaches. They have skills coaches. They have nutritionists. They have mental, uh, you know, mental health coaches or, or sports psychologists, if you will. So there's a plethora of things that they're doing now that in the days that you and, and Kipper grew up playing, it was, uh, you know, let's go to camp. That's when we'll get in shape and then we'll be ready to, to, to rock and roll. Well, that that's changed. You know, it's an all year round thing now. It's dedication for a lot of these kids at the age of, you know, nine, even 10 years old. Um, and it's no other sports on top of that. So all this individualized training, I think, is what has allowed uh, this to happen. But you have to give credit to the coaches, too. There's a lot of really good people out there in terms of skill development, skating coaches that have you know, used technology and, and have studied the craft that they're in and really perfected it. So I, I, I'm impressed on, on, on that part. But for me, it's all about the individualized skill 
that uh, that people are utilizing coaches for now that they didn't use in your age. Sam, I just want to go back to 2015 for a second. That was Mitch Marner's draft. And I know that you've covered it for Sportsman over the years. And I don't know how far back you 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 ever went in terms of uh, looking at uh, uh, prospects to stars, stars to Hall of Famers uh, in the last, what, 50, 60 years. But where would 2015 personally rank for you? Is is it sometimes it's regarded as the best ever? Um, is that how it stands out to you? And we're talking, of course, uh, McDavid, Eichel, uh, Strom, Marner, and then it goes yeah. down the list. But there's some there's some seven, eight million dollar players everywhere out of that draft. Yeah, it's it's crazy how 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 that depth worked, right? And you know, everyone was talking about McDavid and Eichel, and you remember Tim Murray, who was the general manager at Buffalo at that time, and he made it pretty clear that he was uh, in tank mode to get McDavid. And of course they lose the lottery. He ends up with Eichel is obviously still a good player, but I don't think he's the player that McDavid is. Um, and then you go, you go down that list. Like it is, it's, it's really impressive. I still think though, Kipper, there's, there's a lot of time left for that group to continue to create their mark on the game. And I think the one thing is now, when you look at that group of players, now you want to start talking about championships. You know, the individual stuff is, that's great. But what makes a great player is his ability to take his team to the next level to win a cup. And, you know, when you're talking about McDavid, he's in that boat right now. Yeah, they did pretty well last year. But until he raises a cup, kind of, I think everyone will think of him as Nathan McKinnon, as one of the greatest players in the world, if not. But to win, you really need to, you know, that solidifies things for me. And Mitch Marner's in the same boat. I mean, you know, to win a round would be huge for for Mitch Marner and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think McDavid's a little bit further along with his team. But this Toronto Maple Leafs team is looking pretty good right now. Uh, I think, though, that 2015 group, you got to add winning into the mix before you start talking about, you know, greatest players of all time. Because we're, we're getting to the point of the season where you can look at the standings and kind of have some idea which teams are going to go which direction on purpose. You know, like it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense for a Philly or a Columbus to trade for someone and try to get better right now. Tell me about this draft class coming up right now compared to the last few. I know Connor Bedard's the top highly touted guy. How is it uh, depth-wise beyond Bedard? It's really good. Uh, yeah. The next two guys in line who I believe are in the conversation are 6'3", 190-pound, Leo Carlson, who plays in Sweden, who's putting up, you know, really good numbers in the SHL, which is a tough league to play in at, you know, 17, 18 years old. He moves well, more of a distributor than a shooter, but I think that part uh, in his game can can develop still. Adam Fantilli's a freshman at the University of Michigan, who at last look was a, was two points a game. I mean, you know, 18-year-old freshman in, in the NCAA ranks, putting up two points per game, and at one point was leading the, the entire NCAA. That just doesn't happen. So um, those are the, the next two guys that are going to be in the conversation with Bedard. What differs about those guys for Fantilli, it's the size, but the fact that you know he, he looks like a surefire center at the next level. Carlson more likely rates out as a winner, so that just kind of knocks down the value a little bit. And Bedard, if at that size he can play at center, then I don't think there's any question that uh, you know he's going to be the guy who's, who's most highly thought of at number one. But the depth goes further than that. Like Zach Benson plays in Winnipeg really good play driver, super intelligent guy. You're looking at Braden Yeager who plays in Moose Jaw. I mean, really, there's a plethora of guys. Maybe not quite as heavy on the D side, although we're starting to see some of the defensemen really come into the mix now. 
um, but definitely a lot of high, high-end skilled forwards. And just the demand for, if we're talking forwards, center ice position, are, are all the, the top three centermen? Sam? Well, Fantilli for sure. Bedard, I, I think so. Uh, Carlson, no. Carlson will be, he'll, looks like he's going to read out to, to be a winger. But Braden Yeager, he can play center. I mean, Benson, he can play center. But again, Kipper, like, you know how it goes. Some of these smaller skilled guys, if you're worried about putting them at center ice just because of how demanding the position is, physically, D zone, you know, that, that sort of stuff, that becomes a bit more of a challenge. So uh, Fantilli for sure, though, he's a guy that, you know, 6'2", whatever, 190 pounds, he rates out as that guy. So that's why, for me, he challenges because some people might look at Bedard and say, okay, with his ability to shoot the puck, score from distance, um, maybe he does, uh, you know, project better on the wing as opposed to center at the next level. Looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, you know, not a ton of prospects on the way. They do have Nick Robertson in the lineup. Uh, there seems to be some debate. Should they just play this guy 10 games in a row? You know, what, what, do, you, what do you think the Leafs should do with Robertson? Is he someone you think is going to find it be a scorer in this league yet? We feel like we're running out of time here. Talk about him all the time. <laughs> I know. The issue is this. You're on the Toronto Maple Leafs. For the top six forward positions, they're done. They're not going to change. You're cooked. You're not going to outlast the, the Tavares, the, the Marner, the Matthews, the Nylanders. So that essentially leaves two spots in your top six. For me, a guy like Robertson needs to play in your top six. And I'm not saying that Sheldon Keith is not, that he deserves to play there. I think in order for that player to be successful, he has to play there. So, you know, maybe that extends a little bit in today's game into the third line. But for me, you know, he, he, you can see how he skates. You can see there's some warts and mistakes that he makes in his game. You saw it last night, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but he does have that ability to score goals, and that's a tough thing to acquire. Most of the time, you either overpay for it, or if you draft it, you have to be patient with it. Uh, for me, though, that's, that's the biggest issue facing Robertson and the Toronto Maple Leafs is, and I'm not critical of them for not playing him in a top-six role. I do believe, though, if you could – plug him into a third line role and give him a 10 or 12 game run where he can play 12 to 14 minutes a night. I think you're going to see an effective player. Um, but you know, again, that's pretty tough. Who are you going to, who are you going to get rid of there? Is it a Kerfoot? Is it camp? You know, this Holmberg starting to play well, there's a lot of guys that are vying for those positions. And if you have a bad game or two, sorry about your luck, but there's someone chomping at the bit to, to get that opportunity. So, right. That's the challenge, right? That's that's the big challenge with Robertson. Hey, Sam, we're going to blink, and we're going to get through the, the holidays here, and then we're going to start hearing some real legitimate names out there, and there's no question that the Leafs are going to have to be amongst uh, half a dozen teams that think that they have a chance to win a Stanley Cup, and they're going to be in on a lot of talk. Where are you with their number one prospect in Matthew Nyes? Is this a guy who has to be an untouchable for the Toronto Maple Leafs or under the right circumstances, would you give him up for a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year? I think the most fascinating part of all this, if you're Kyle Dubas and you had to been extended going into this year, you're probably looking at Nyes and saying, we need to keep this guy to keep the ball rolling. With a guy who's you know, living on his last dollar, he can go all out. I mean, unless someone above blocks a trade, but by all accounts, he's been given all autonomy to do so. So for me, he's a guy who's in play. 
Um, and again, that's more probably a result of where the GM is in, in, in his career. He has to win at least a round or he's done. I mean, we said that last year too, but I truly believe it to be that case this time around. And so if he needs, you know, if he wants to get over that hump and acquire some sort of a big name, he'll have to be part of a package. Uh, I don't think he alone is going to bring you the guy that's going to put you over the hump and into the Stanley Cup. But he'd be a nice piece for somebody moving forward. One of those teams, you know, the Kane or Taves or whoever it is that you might talk about uh, acquiring. Uh, but for me, I don't know. I think it's more a result that I'm the GM. I need to win now. He's on the table for me. Wow. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, that is fascinating. And obviously big implications for the Leafs here. I think in general, I'm curious about what the best scenario is for a young player joining the NHL. I have in mind Alexi Lafreniere right now, who's kind of been played on the third and fourth line by and large versus a guy like Tim Stutzla or whoever. They they make you the guy all of a sudden. Which is better for development path for these guys who get in the NHL young? Would you rather see him sort of sheltered or just be like, hey, you're the guy even though we're losing? Which I have no idea, to be honest. I think the player has to author it. So if he's playing really well, then then you, you elevate him and you play him more minutes and see if he can handle it. And if not, then you bump him back. But for me, sitting guys, playing them intermittently, when they play, playing them, you know, Shane Wright six or seven minutes, that doesn't work. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me. It, it, it drags out. I mean, look at Leon Dreisaitl. You know, he, he played 37 games in the National Hockey League before he got sent back. Got and traded he, from Prince and, Albert and, and looked Columbus. awful. And looked awful, right? He was awful. And about midway through the next year, he came up from the American League, and he hasn't looked back ever since. But it just takes time. Look at Alex Petrangelo. I think he went back and forth to St. Louis three times. Back to the Niagara Ice Dodge, if I'm not mistaken, before he actually was able to author his way the rest of the way. For me, you have to play. You have to play, especially in these times when you're looking at our prospects that at some point in the last four-year cycle, they've been impacted by COVID and haven't played either to the competition they should have played against or to the schedule they should have been playing. These guys have to play games. And you know what? Sometimes it sucks because of the agreement. They have to go play in junior hockey, but it's better to go play 25 minutes and maybe pick up a few bad habits in junior hockey than playing six minutes once every three nights and, and trying to make it work. How does Shane Wright crack a lineup in a week that's 14, five and three today? Yeah, you know where he goes? His lineup is uh, O Canada. That's his lineup. That's the lineup he's going to be cracking. Get to the World Juniors. I mean, I mean, you can't help but think that that's the way they wanted to time this out. Get him his five-game sack. Get him his two-week conditioning stint. You know, maybe jumps into that game. I know Merrick's uh, hypothesized that it's that one game in Montreal before he moves over to... to, uh, He is playing in that game. He he will play in that game. The plan is for him to play in that game. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then I, I don't see another path forward. I mean, Dave Haxtell is a guy who has to be thinking about winning too. And Shane Wright in the lineup at six minutes a night is not helping him win. And it's surely not helping the organization. Get to the World Juniors, that buys you about another month, and then figure it out after. Because by that time the World Junior starts, they're going to know whether they're in it to win it or whether they're going to be picking high again. Sam, I know that to do your job, you you know you got to follow these kids after they get to the NHL to sort of assess how your opinions uh, worked for you. Is there anyone that surprised you where they were wildly off your opinion? Not that you were wrong. Maybe someone you thought was bad that was awesome, or vice versa. What are your any surprises in your career here recently? Well, for me, I mean, Tage Thompson has turned into 
I, I think what surprises me about him is the skill. I mean, you see him pick up that puck along the boards against Detroit last night? I did. Nasty. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, who, who at 6'7", first of all, you see him coming around, whether his head's up or down or whatever, you're not going to get in his way. So he was given a little bit of leeway because there was no one touching him coming up the boards like that. But then to be able to just kind of chip it between the legs and exit the zone that easily, and to play with the skill he does, how he extends plays with that long reach and gets goalies to bite, He's probably a guy whose skill alone has surprised me. You know, I knew he was going to be a decent skater. You knew that the size was going to play. But for him to play with that kind of, uh, of skill has, has been really, really impressive to me. And no surprise really about his ability to shoot the puck. It's more of the in-tight game for, for me that's, that's really surprised. Hey, Sam, always a pleasure, man, having you on the show. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Kipper. Thanks, Barney. Take care, guys. Thanks, buddy. Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst. Uh, you know, it, it it's one thing to talk about, like, Nick Robertson and um, Lafreniere in, in New York, but, mm-hmm. like, it's the circumstance around it, too. Like He's got 10 points this Lafreniere. We keep waiting know, for him to pop. But, but he's, he's playing behind Panarin, yeah. and he's playing behind Kreider. So... You know, sometimes you, you, get, you get your numbers, you, you there. get boxed in. But right? I wonder if long term that's not best for him, kind of not playing as much, learning, you know. Yeah. You'd rather yeah. see him well, just handle it and play and be in the thick yeah, of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Play 10, 12 minutes and learn yeah. as you go along. And these guys have been superstars on every team that they've played for. Yeah. And they're like, I can't get any goals or points. This way, maybe it makes you more well-rounded. Now you can you know how it's to not, chip it out. It, it was a, you know, why'd you draft him? Right, is it working for uh, Nick Robertson. I mean, you're saying he needs top six. Everybody's saying, oh no, no, he can't learn at three and four. And if he can, plays eight minutes, he's going to get lost. And it's like can't win. Yeah, it's so funny how getting your cookies, getting your few points on the power play, a second assist because you play with good players makes you feel like you're you're getting your numbers so everyone can look at the stat sheet and know you're an offensive guy and then you're allowed to like you feel I did anyway more comfortable to play defense to do all the other little things but when you're not getting the numbers there's a desperation to get those numbers cuz you have your whole life and you know that's not everyone watches you play every game so your buddies back home they grab the stat sheet or you know I guess they use the interwebs and they go <laughs> they hey. grab the old newspaper newspaper <laughs> they go what you got 4 points in 38 games what's going on so- yeah, so I just talking about Robertson there. You know, I didn't mind the idea of just putting him on the fourth line instead of Mulligan. And like, you know, you, yeah. you're in the lineup. Maybe you're not playing as much as you want. Maybe you're not playing with the right guys, but you're part of the team. You're playing. A rhythm. You're, you're in the game. And now, I guess that was before Yarncroft got hurt, so things are going to change a little bit here. Probably both of them are going to play. I would imagine. I guess Simmons will get mixed in there too. He probably plays on Saturday night versus uh, Tampa. Oh yeah. Another 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 lineup note that I'm uh, penciling in there for Sheldon. But I just smart call. Like I would like to see Robertson. I know play on the play on the fourth line for Sheldon. (laughs) And Sheldon's a lot more important than Sammy is. I know. But do you like? Do you really think there's that big a difference between? Malgan and Robertson on the fourth line? No. So Once again, some. So ask Sheldon, and he says yes. Yeah. You want to talk about putting this on a fast forward and starting game one? Mm. Like, it's not even a question for 
Sheldon. You know, I think that coaches get into trouble when there becomes a divide with the GM because, like, I wonder what Kyle wants him to do with Robertson and if that's happening. I know. You know what? It's not happening. There's no way that Kyle's Kyle like, needs Nick yeah. to step up. There's he no needs way to... he was like, yeah, you know what I want to see from Nick? Six healthy scratches, fourth line appearances, intermittent, you know, fits and starts yeah. in the second line. Like, this isn't how he drew it up for Robertson. They, so. again, when you... When you call people up and they have success, they turn to NHL assets. Mm-hmm. And every time we're going to start hearing some some rumors or some, uh, you know, rumblings and Nick Robertson's in, it's one thing to hear his name. And it's another thing to have the, the, the team that we're, we're speaking of slot him or where they value him. Mm-hmm. And Frank Cervelli on our show basically said that outside this market, he is not a... No, and I totally agree with him. I've yeah. talked to other clubs, and they're like, what well, am I getting with that guy? Yeah. Undersized and a shooter. And only a value when he shoots it in right now. Right. Maybe he'll be that more can, than that. Just a one-dimensional prospect. He has to create... In preseason, he created his own looks. He got opportunities. I was at 90 seconds into the game last night. He shot it through the goaltender's chest. Why can't I think of the goalie's name in San Jose? Dell. Dell. Aaron Dell. Thank you. He was frozen. Dell. Um, Dell Griffin. Quick quick thing. Uh, just a, a, I know Kipper's going to not give a you-know-what about this, but I want to bring it up. Uh, I sent out a tweet last night asking if it was a hot take to say that the jerseys the Leafs wore last night should be their primary jerseys. Love it. And I got more response to that tweet than any okay, people love them. Very listen, like unsensitive. I'm very sensitive. But I know you don't care about jerseys and stuff. I don't. Even, I like I'm, those jerseys. They're beautiful, and that's the last time they're wearing them all year. They're wearing them twice. That's they're it. Two and zero, oh and they're not wearing them past November. And they're they're no longer doing the psalming patch on the shoulder either for the rest. Why? Of the year. I don't know, Kipper. I, why wouldn't that 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 psalming? Uh, sh- Shoulder patch be there the rest of the year. I'm not sure. I don't know what the decision or we, I mean. I have initials on the helmet. Sam, you need to find that out. I will do some digging. There must be some deal because they only wore that Aretna's jersey for like a minute. Like there must be some deal where we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We only wear these thirds for two games. They wore the Black Leafs one a lot, didn't they? They wore it. They wore it once or twice last year. I just think that the The way. The one they wore last night. I don't know if this is a hot take. I think that's the nicest jersey they've ever worn. Doesn't it? I agree. Does does it not devalue the jersey because they don't take that jersey seriously? What? I think it's the opposite. It's like it makes it more exclusive because they never use it. So what is the point of the third jersey if you're not actually going to use it? It's weird. I don't know. That's what I'm asking I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to send some texts here in the in the break right? and try to figure it out. So just, why, do, why do they go all the way to, to, to make this such a big thing if they're not, like, legit jerseys? I think it's just like, hey, who wants to buy this and remember it? And Well, you can do 10 of them. Do 20 of them. Yeah. Like... Well, you basically do. Well, you look at the NBA Bieber now. And- NBA, well, the NBA now. I mean, not to sound like an old guy, but like I don't even know who's playing who on any given night. They have so many different jerseys. To be honest, I feel that way about soccer sometimes. I'm well, like, they change every year. Yeah. They get a new They get a new jersey every new single season. New colors, though. See? Yeah. And you said sometimes. I didn't care. No, it's just, to me, it's crazy 
that they're not wearing that jersey Those again. Those San Jose Sharks jerseys are it was, also... It was, it was a, a beautiful be- beautiful jersey matchup, but yeah. it's just... Oh, the Seals? California Golden no, Seals? No, the one they wore last night with the, the yeah. extra double stripes. But did, you, did you like the Seals? Oh, is that the, th- the th- theme there, the Seals? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, they looked awesome. Whatever they were, they were awesome. I don't know. Oh. All right, I'm going to do some digging on <laughs> why they're Chris not. Chris Creamer, you know, the two of us non-Jersey uh, <laughs> specialists yeah, here. I'll text, I'll text Chris in the break. Oh, okay, Thank there you, you go. It's not going to call kids, yeah. But Okay, we got to take a break. Yeah, we could take a break. Okay, we got we uh, Jack, uh, Steve Aliquette. Why did I say Jack? Because Daryl was with Jack and yes, down in Florida. That's why he did it. We got, uh, we're going to get more on the Rangers. I want to talk about the Rangers. We're going to talk about I want, I want them to be bad. Why? Because the Isles thing, it's forever. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not letting that go. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You guys are rivals, like that. Eh? Like, it's like you the... Wanna... Do you see the uh, the Potvin Sucks chant? They they made Potvin Socks now for the Islanders. They're selling Potvin Socks for the Potvin Sucks chant. Oh. It's a clever little spin on it. They're making it their own. Wow. I like that. Can yeah. it run with the Bab Socks? <laughs> Remember those? Yeah, I got a pair. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have multiple pairs. <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't last that long. I don't have them still, but uh, yeah. I had a, there was a moment. Yeah. I believe Brent Gunning wore them at his wedding. So. All right. Ooh. Anyways. We're going to take one more break here. Steve Aliquette, uh, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG. We're going to figure out what's going on in the Big Apple, and we're going to get his thoughts on uh, Matt Murray now. Was he a fan of Matt Murray? Do we recall? Have we had a conversation with him? I don't know. I, I remember or M- just McKenna, McKenna wasn't. But. We're going to find out after the break his thoughts on a very good Matt Murray up until this point. Yes, sir. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, right back after these messages. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Steve Valiquette. Are you there? I'm there, buddy. How are you? See, I have to ask sometimes because um, I think you're there or anyone's there, and then, like, Sammy's yeah. scrambling on the phone, <laughs> and I sound yeah. and uh, look like an you, idiot. Man, I'm a long-time long listener. I know what goes on at your show. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most unprofessional show in the history <laughs> of podcasts. <laughs> And, uh, and, that's what and makes radio. It unbelievable. How are you? How's your schedule? How's more importantly? How's the the King Lundquist? Oh, uh, he's doing really well. He's um, he's got a pretty neat right now. He's an ambassador, so he works twenty games on the television side. He attends a lot of events, Garden of Dreams. I'm sure they pay him handsomely. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yes, they do, and we slug it out. Yeah. That's right. Well, I'm grinding for him. He just calls me when he needs a couple of tips. Um, like you, you want to you want to dive into the the Matt Murray and what you've seen out of him here in Toronto. I mean, I want to get into the Rangers as well, um, and and just your thoughts and and maybe uh, around the league on the goaltending fronts on a few of the guys. But got to get your thoughts on Matt Murray and just the whole thing about uh, the injuries and how not only. Have they overcome it, man? They thrived. Yeah. You know, really interesting is um, sometimes in some seasons, your goalies get a pretty awkward split where depending on what nights they play, they get the easier shots. And on some nights, the other guy's in where it's a really difficult night. And even though you're on the same team, the array of chances you have 
over the course of the year can really divide two goalies. And I thought this was interesting because it really reminds me of three years ago when Tuka Rask was playing with Yaroslav Halak in Boston. Halak was getting the easier version of the NHL, whereas Tuka Rask in every game he played, he got the hard version. And sometimes it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, it really splits. And that's where you guys are at right now. Um, Samsonov, in the games that he's played, they have had an easier array of chances against him. And in the games Murray's played, he's at the other end of the spectrum. Out of all of the goalies in the NHL that have faced more than 200 chances, only Eric Comrie has faced harder chances than Matt Murray. So I think that's pretty hmm. outstanding for him to get off to that kind of a start so far for, uh, for the Leafs. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, you know, it, it, you've got such an interesting database there and so much information that the average uh, hockey fan wouldn't know about goaltending. Is there anything in your numbers that stand out to you, a goaltender who's maybe better than people think or worse than their reputation that way? Well, I guess uh, it would depend on who you think. And, and yeah. I'll start with Stuart Skinner. Um, his expected save percentage is 903, and he's an 899. So, uh, to say that he's not performing at average, like that's sort of where you begin. That's an example of somebody that's just you know playing somewhere. But if you wanted to ask me, um, let me just flip a page. I'm actually at my computer, so I can take a look for you. But I honestly, I don't always get on here and look exactly for stuff like that. Right. But, uh, not good radio right now, but I'm working with you <laughs> no, here. It's great. It's fascinating. It's great as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah. there's just so much information. It's not, you know, in, in fact, right now, the highest performing and best performing goalie is Sorokin. And then mm. it's Hellebuck. And then it's Murray. Um, wow. Goalies that are, I'm just going to not name some names off here. And maybe you think one of those guys isn't doing as well as you may think. But Georgiev is fourth. And then mm. Linus Allmark. And then Carter Hart. And Ottinger. And Saros. Vimelka, maybe probably uh, piques a little interest yeah. He's performing about seven goals better than he should have right now uh, on 443 chances. So yeah. And then um, Montalbaum, but yeah, no, there's so much to look at. Uh, believe me, I fall into black holes some days, uh, depending on what I could be listening to your podcast and hear you guys talking about something and then looking into it a little bit deeper and seeing if that's actually happening or, you know, and sometimes it does definitely validate the conversation and it's, it's kind of neat to, kind of kill the trash can kicking conversation, which could be something like this. Uh, did the Rangers ever score on breakaways? You know, and yeah. I would say, well, let me take a look. They've had 37 breakaways this year. They've only scored five, wow. and that's sixth in the NHL, and Kako, Panarin, Kreider, and Trojek have had 21 combined, and they've only scored twice. So, that's wild to me, and, and when I see something like that, I print the page off, and I mm-hmm. usually use it in something, uh, intermission, or uh, you know, game notes for the pregame show. So, Valley, did Matt Murray get that much better basically overnight out of Ottawa, or did the team in front of him get that much better overnight out of Ottawa? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't really think that, no, because I remember we talked about this at the beginning of the year. He didn't have that hard of chances last year in Ottawa. I think Ottawa, we, we just saw them last night, fellas. That's not a bad team. They just don't know how to win. Yeah. They're not a bad team. They, they have a really good offense. They have, in, in a lot of categories, they're in top five, greens, deflections. They get their odd man rushes. They're not a bad team offensively. Defensively, they're not that bad either. They're really not. They're just, they make dumb mistakes. They just make ill-advised mistakes at the wrong times that hurt them. And look, it was first goal last night. 
First goal last night, uh, Stutzla sticks his stick out in the high slot for no reason when Lindgren's just throwing a sifter in from the blue line. It breaks off his stick. And now you look at poor Cam Talbot. He's like a contestant on the Price is Right trying to play Plinko. Goes off of his pad, goes to the back door, VZ tabs it in. It's like they have a lot of those one-offs. They're just they're not very good in front of their own net. But other than that, that's a good team. So I didn't really see Kipper when I looked at that hard before we got on at the beginning of the year when I was I think I was getting kicked out of my hotel room. I was looking at that and and it wasn't it wasn't really a big discrepancy between what he was going to face in Toronto from what he faced in the games that he played in the games that he played in Ottawa. It wasn't that hard last year. Uh, Forsberg had a harder array of games and and like I mean. You know, sometimes it just falls that way, guys. It's the third game in four nights, and you happen to be the guy that's in Pittsburgh that night. So you have a really hard night. And sometimes teams shield their goalies against that. That happens, and I'm aware of it. It happens. Yeah. So what about with the Rangers? And I can't help but notice, I don't think you mentioned Shesterkin in any of that top 10 list. The guy's a 913. Yeah. He's been very good. And last year you would have. Yeah. How's, how's yeah, it going for old Shesty? all year. Uh, Shesty's uh, 16 right now. Um, he referred to his performance as I can't even say because we're on radio, but uh, <laughs> he referred to his last performance as SH something, yeah. and uh, he's not happy with himself. And you know, I wish he wouldn't have said that because the thing about drawing more attention to yourself when it's not going well is that you just spin the narrative out of control. I remember giving up a goal in Ottawa or no, excuse me, in Atlanta once where I slammed my stick afterwards and like the ice chips came up and everything. And it was a broken play that went off a guy that back door, similar to last night's VZ goal. And Benoit Lair tells me after the game, he's like, look, the coaches are all talking because they think you should have had that now because of the way you responded after it went in. And if you don't do that, the guys aren't going to think behind that door over there that you should have had it. So you're not drawing that attention on yourself. And that's a real big thing for the young athlete to learn. It's, Keep your composure. I shouldn't be able to tell whether that's the biggest save of your season or the worst goal you've ever allowed. Same routine after you get scored on. Take a drink from your water bottle from the top of the net like every goalie does. Everyone's thirsty after they get scored on. And then just get on with your routine and, and let the puck drop and play next puck mentality. Um, but as far as the certain guys, I don't know if you saw the Thomas Tatar goal the other night against the Devils, and he comes in on his backhand. He's from outside the slot and he's looking to Heischer on the back door, but he was far away, and, and Shesterkin leans. He gives up short side shelf. It's a, it's a low-danger goal because it's outside slot, backhand, sharp angle. Um, but in the previous game, Dreisaitl scores in the back door where Edmonton comes from behind and, and beats the Rangers. So now he doesn't think his back door is covered, and you guys know what hockey is like. It's right. first couple months of the season. Build trust. Build trust. And right now he doesn't know that his back door is covered, um, he's given up five goals on 12 of those types of passes. So now he's not sure he's tracking towards giving up 20 low East West goals this year for a guy last year that gave up seven all season. Like it's not him. If he would have mm-hmm. just tracked Borne, if he would have just tracked that pass to he sure and just played it true from the, from the stick of Tatar, he would have got across compact. It would have been a routine save. I've seen it a million times with him. He's just, he's got a, just get back to playing his game and controlling what he can control and stop trying to do everyone else's job because ultimately you end up giving up the clear view shot that you should have had when you're trying to be responsible for other guys on your team. Are goalies today having a lot more trouble uh, looking like you had just mentioned after a bad goal, just go same routine, same water bottle, drink, 
Uh, we've had conversations about Jack Campbell and, uh, you know, not leading the narrative after a game or the body language. Is it a, is it a personality flaw? Is it a character flaw? Uh, can you teach someone to look like uh, it's just any other goal? It's Kipper, I know that you're on the same page with me here. These there's a, half the league shouldn't even be in the NHL right now. Honestly, they should have been in the minors longer. And you learn these things by going through those experiences when the lights aren't on you so bright. You know, and one of the, you know, I wonder if you have you guys have you guys ever seen anybody that was a prospect that was overcooked in the minors? <laughs> no, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> You know what I mean? I haven't. I was in the American League for eight years. I never once looked across the locker room and, oh, man, that guy's got to be up right now. He's been here too long. No, everybody is where they're supposed to be in their development at that time. And for I just think the salary cap is killing the NHL with having too many young guys that aren't ready yet. Emotionally, emotionally. You could be the best guy in training camp, but you're still not emotionally mature enough to be in the National Hockey League. And you, you got to go through it. Now, this conversation isn't pertaining to Shesterkin because he's had his 200 games of development between the American League, and he did start the American Hockey League, dominated. He was too good to be there, so they had to pull him out. But before that in the KHL, you know, it's just uh, one of those things, too, where Shesterkin never embarrasses his teammates, okay? Mm-hmm. He is so positionally sound. I felt like Henrik had this problem, too, where somebody would say to me, oh, he should have had it. He was there. I'm like, yeah, no crap, he should have had it. He was there because... He's one of 10 guys that could be there. There, So many other guys would be laid out, and I see John Gibson do this a lot, like where he lies out and scrambles, and it's sometimes, in a way, showing up your teammates, like, hey, man, it wasn't that hard of a chance. Relax with the rollover and the extra extended <laughs> theatrics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Shesterkin's always there, so he's always physically going to get beat by the puck because he's really good at reading it. And so now that he's kind of going through this, it just seems to me like it's one of those things that uh, – I think it's about what you guys talk about a lot in your show, man. It's dealing with the pressure of right now being a contender. And the Rangers, when they woke up yesterday morning, they weren't a contender anymore. You know, that's a team now that should have a chip back on their shoulder. They're an underdog. They're outside the playoffs. So maybe they're more comfortable being an underdog. And hopefully, uh, because I cover them, and you guys know what it's like to cover a team when they're going through it a little bit, it makes work harder. Uh, I'm hoping they... Use that as a springboard and start going here because they're going to have to get on a roll of five, six, or seven to get comfortably back in it to the point where, before you know it, you're in March and you're looking at the trade deadline and you're hoping your GM pulls the trigger on some pieces. So the next time you're a contender, now you've gone through it and maybe you build off of the experience of failing as a contender and having that tag the first time through. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Steve Alicat, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG. We had an earlier conversation about Nick Robertson and how it's hard to find your place, uh, you know, does he need top six minutes? Uh, can he can he manage to stay in the lineup in the bottom six? In New York, there's Lafreniere, who's a first pick overall and should be and is ahead of uh, a, a, de- a development uh, scale much more than Nick Robertson, yet he's still trying to find a place here with the New York Rangers, is he not? No, it's fair. And Kipper, it goes back to the conversation. It's just the league is just not fundamentally set up the way it was when we're playing. So guys are just going to start earlier in the NHL. And I understand there's more money at stake and all of these things. They're, they're all small factors and small pieces to this. 
But I'll never forget Scott Gomez saying to me once, he goes, man, if you're just going to play me 12 minutes, don't even play me. Don't even play me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, I got no legs. I got nothing to give you. I haven't felt the puck in the period. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that oftentimes comes back because at what role can you play in where you're in the NHL is not a development league. It's not. What role can you play in? I, um, I, I feel it's unfortunate for some of these guys. And then for some young guys, you're getting paid too soon. So then complacency sets in earlier in your career than it ever should. But what, you know, what's the answer to that? I mean, I, if, if I'm running a team, I still want my guys to start in the minors. I'm sorry. Even if you're the best player in training camp, you could be the best player in training camp. I still want you to start in the minors if you're a rookie. Because right, that makes such an excellent point. Well, now, you know, talking well, about it, Robertson should have, right? Yes. Well, like, listen, like, he's got skills, right? It's what you can see. And, yeah, your scouts are going to push for him to be there. But at the end of the day, he's not emotionally set yet. He's maybe coming from overseas. He maybe needs to understand how it's like to live on his own. There's so much to learn from it. Like, the American Hockey League's there for a reason. Use it. Yeah. You know, looking at this Leafs situation going into the playoffs, I think a lot of fans look at the goaltending situation and go, Murray and Samsonov, okay, you know, like we're going to do the tandem thing. Hopefully one of the guys take the reins. What has changed at the goaltending position? Like it doesn't feel like you, you have to have the one guy anymore, like a one-two. Everyone's doing this sort of tandem thing. You know, last year Kemper yeah. and Francois and Bennington was a third guy in the, the Blues before he ends up being the guy. So what's what's going on here that makes me makes Leafs fans think that maybe they have a chance with a tandem? It might be a little bit of analytics because the last time I looked at this, it was 30 years. In the last 30 years, the NHL Stanley Cup winner that had more than 60 games has only won once. And it might have been Tim Thomas. It, it might have been Tim right. Thomas. So that's, that starts the conversation. Um, here's what I found out recently, and this is another one where, you know, Henrik and I are talking about at the point of uh, going into the Devils game, he was saying to me on the phone, Valley, what do you think about Shesterkin? Uh Maybe is there a little bit too much pressure on him to deliver points? Because at that point, Halak was 0-5-1. And, and, and I was like, Hank, you know what, man? The last time I looked at this, you need 25 points from your backup to get in. Because guys aren't eating 65 games like you used to. And he's like, oh, no, that seems like a lot. And they, as he's saying that, we're going to be on the tube together at night. I'm like, I better get my crap together. i got to get my numbers. So I spent <laughs> 10 minutes and went through every team. You know how that exercise goes yeah. on uh, NHL.com. And, and at any rate, there was only one goalie last year that got his team in the playoffs when the goaltenders that were his grouping of backups didn't supply 25 points. That was UC Soros. He played 67 games. And guess what? Wasn't available for the playoffs. Hmm. So if, if, if it's important for us to understand that the best ability is availability, you're not going to have an available goaltender. Sure, he'll get you in, but he won't be available for those uh, waste of eight days. And by the time you get to the playoffs, you're playing Calgary in the first, or Colorado in the first round. You know? Yes, sir. Steve, one more for me on my uh, my former uh, team, the New York Rangers, and that is uh, pretty big signing, Trocha coming in. Uh, the decision for Strom uh, to be let go and, and sign in Anaheim. And, you know, Ryan Strom isn't the first guy I would think of as being this, uh, you know, dynamic player. But he had something going on with Panarin. And Panarin was happy. And there just seemed to be a... Uh, a good thing overall. Now Trochik comes in, Strom's gone, 
And I, I don't know. I mean, I like Trocek. There's not much not to like about him. He plays hard. He, you know, drives the middle of the ice. Uh, but, you know, the, the chemistry's not there, is it, right now? Uh, you know, not yet, Kipper, but I wouldn't give up on it yet either. Trocek's been really good. Trocek's been really good. Tomorrow night on MSG, we're actually doing a spotlight on him, uh, highlighting his, his season up until this point. So looked into him pretty hard today. He's had 30 grade-A chances this year. Uh, he's got six goals on those 30. But if you, even if you were watching the game last night, he's got a two-on-one. He comes right down and hits the post. He's hit the post on grade-A chances seven times this year. Like an inch over, and he's got another one. He's, he's going to continue to score. I like the way that he plays. I think he's a playoff player. He's really hard to play against in front of the opposing team's net. He gets a lot of those broken plays, but he's also good where uh, if the coverage gets really dense, he can spot out, and he's got a really effective one-timer. He's smart. He knows where to be. He's got really good timing. So I'd imagine that it's going to turn a little bit. It just hasn't happened like fireworks yet, but maybe that's a little bit on Panarin too. He hasn't really played his best yet. It can't be sitting well with New York Ranger fans. Panarin at just six goals right now. Yeah, uh, no, there's a lot not sitting well. But, Kipper, it's everybody, man. Like, I've not seen this. They're actually going to sink my expected goals model for my company, okay, because (laughs) they're so so down on everything. I'm not getting the craziest one. So down. Like, this is the most absurd shooting percentage I've ever seen. I'm looking at broken plays. uh, You know, I talk about a lot about the broken play because those are really hard to stop if you're a goalie. It hits a shin pad, ricochets back door. Those types of plays. They have the most in the NHL, so they've had the most luck at getting that type of a chance. They've had 72 of them. They've only scored 13 goals. They should have scored 21 goals. Yeah, you know they're they're leaving. That's just a that's the one that I really measure as lucky. Like when you talk about people saying puck luck, like there's a lot there. But uh, I'm looking at everything here, guys. One timers. They've had 74 one timers, like in and just outside slot. Four goals. Screens. Spot area shots from getting in themselves and shooting. They've had 58 times. Like, I know this from Panarin, too, because he's got nine of them. But 58 times, the guy's walked into slot to shoot and try and beat a goalie clean. 58 times, three goals. You know, slot line, the one that I always talk about, the East-West, 68 of them, that's fifth best in the league. They've had 24 goals, so they're overperforming in one area. They've scored four more than they should have there, but that's, that's it. Other than that, they're underperforming in every single shot type that we carry. So I haven't seen this. That's why I'm bullish on a turnaround for them. I think they're going to hit a tear at some point. But as you guys know in hockey, and Kipper, I liked what you said the other day when you were talking about sometimes you've got to change the energy in hockey. And that's, that's like guys like us talking about analytics, but quickly going back to our playing experience, which is, yeah, I know what changes energy. Coaching change. Uh, a core player getting traded a core player getting traded, maybe two or three guys going to the American league, something to get everybody's attention and shake it up because they have to change the energy of the group. And maybe it was last night with a great performance from your backup goalie. Sometimes that sets you off. I know I've been in that position and I, I heard that at the end of the year twice in my playing career with uh, the Rangers, which was, you came up big for us when we were down as a backup. And then we went on a run. Then Hank ran the table, you know, so you guys know the game and there's so much energy there. And um, I'm a big believer in that Kipper. And I, I believe me, I listened to what you guys were talking about, and it's pertinent. Well, listen, I want to say goodbye to you, but you're so damn good. I want to ask you one more question, okay? Sure. Cal Peterson, what surprised you more, that he was put on waivers or that he cleared? Um, not surprised by either, Kipper. 
Okay. Either uh, that contract he was going to clear, and by the way he's performed for the last three years, maybe it should have happened sooner, and he would have saved him. So he's another yeah, one then. The he's another one that you no. just mentioned about about development. Yep, yep. And uh, too soon, too, too soon. soon. He came up hot. You guys know this one too. I used to always say it as a player when I was in the American League, and we'd have a guy come up from the East Coast League. I always said twelve games. Like those guys come out, they come out guns a blazing, and then if you're a goalie, you can get through a season. You can get through a season if you're started on the right nights, if they really care for you, and maybe spot you the ones that you you know you're safe in. But no, too soon, man. Just too soon. I for, for the last three years, he's really underperformed, and they just couldn't do anything sooner. Saying goodbye to you is just too soon for us in the Real Kipper and Boris <laughs> show. Love it, love it. Uh, you're, you're just saying that because you know I'm a uh, loyal supporter, listener. I love it that you calling. listen. I love it that you listen, man. Sorry, really appreciate sorry it. Sorry I don't give the Rangers more love, only because I love you, Valley. <laughs> no, no. I got all the love in the world for you guys. All good, man. You guys are doing a great job. I'll talk to you soon. He is at Valley's View. Steve Valiquette, awesome job. MSG, New York Rangers. Uh, it is unbelievable how good Shesterkin was last year. Yeah. And now that he's not, I don't know, it just is it exposed the Rangers a little bit. And be it, they're battling here. Truba's They're hurt. a better team than the record, I think. Tr- Truba, I don't think, should be playing. There's some people in speculating that, you know, he's done something to his wrist or mm. I don't know if it's ligaments. I don't know if it's... Uh, He's playing with maybe a slight crack somewhere, but he is he's not anywhere near where he should be. Yeah. And you look at this team, like it felt like everything went right for them last year, and Valley's right. Expectations change things. They've been unlucky by any number of metrics. You know, they have a goaltender who won the Vesna last year who still has more to give. Like I said yesterday on our show, like in passing, I think I muttered, like, good team to bet on. I still feel that way because they've been unlucky. They have the talent. I expect them to come on. Still a playoff team. He did kind of, I don't know if he was insinuating the Rangers or just in general, but you mentioned uh, you get rid of a coach, you make a trade, you send somebody down. And I don't know if he's leaning towards that now. You mentioned Gallant in your column. I did, yes. So he had a uh, three-year guaranteed deal with a club option. That needs to be addressed by the end of this season on a fourth year. The old club option, huh? Yes. And uh, I got to think that, uh, you know, if they don't feel like they're going to pick it up, then that changes everything, right? If they're not going to pick it up, then can you bring them back for another year? You can, of course. The Toronto Maple Leafs are... But if they're also in this rut... I guess, not Keith. If if they're also in this rut, does this make him, uh, you know, uh, an easier target Mm -hmm. to to be, you know, fired? You know, I, I do think that now one thing that has changed for... that helps out a guy like Gallant is you can take some of these stats, and their their stat department would be aware as Valleys, and just say, you know, we're creating a lot of chances, and it's been unlucky. What do you say? They scored on a tiny percentage of breakaway chances, and, like, I wonder if that buys him time, that, like, we're playing better than our results. Give it time, it's going to come. Or yeah. or they'll just say, wow. you got to win at the end of the day. We don't care and, about and for the expected record, wins. Val- Valley says that he expects them to 
get on a run here too. Yeah. And Chesterkin should find some sort of rhythm in his game that he's yeah. struggled with up until this point. All right, uh, another uh, human so, highlight reel by Connor McDavid last night. Yeah. yeah. It's just like yeah, a good. hot knife through butter watching him. Well, uh, him on the flat-footed Jack Johnson, not a fair fight. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine seeing that coming out? Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, I, I want to do a research project for an article, but I don't know how to look into it. There are more times when he beats guys who don't even touch him. Like, the best defenseman in the world who can't even, he's like a ghost at the blue line. And I'm trying to figure out how to do, like, zone entries or something. I don't know what to search for. To, to... That, that's what you brought up right there, that these guys that he plays against are the cream of the crop. Guys that have worked their entire life, been the best player on every team they've played on, got drafted, played at the pinnacle of the... Getting paid the, millions. See, so good. And then this guy is such a freak, <laughs> he just barbecues them all constantly. <laughs> like, and they can't even touch no, him. Just, he's gone. I played against defensemen yeah. that will rather... Murder you. Chop you down <laughs> like, like Paul Bunyan yeah. than let you go around them like that. I, they just can't get a piece to do it. It's no, too quick. I don't think they... I think they'd rather let him go than than have that perception of... of I'm not saying... School year trip not, him to stick I'm not, out your leg. I'm not saying baseball swing him. <laughs> yeah. But take... like Just trip him. Blatantly take, trip blatantly him. trip him. I, you know, you should. Jack Johnson's best bet there is to stick, stick out. Brian McCabe. Just, That's yeah. it. Right through the Right through Let's the Let's say I'm taking the take two your, for the good of the team. Take your chances... Killing the penalty. Because you know why? Penalty. You're going to kill a penalty 75, 80% of the time. McDavid's burying that. Yeah, you only got a 30% of the chance of scoring. Yeah, McDavid's <laughs> scoring more than that on a breakaway. So you're right. Haul him down. Haul him down. Dude, we're at Hack-A-Shack now with McDavid. Yes, we like, are. Just put this guy on the mat so he can't shoot it in your net. Uh, that was uh, Chicago, losers of eight in a row. Mm-hmm. Right where they thought they'd be. Yeah. Right where they and where does this leave Kane and Taves? Not in Illinois. Soon, I don't know. I I can't believe both these guys expiring want to contracts. Around. You know, it's not just their contracts this year. It's like what are what are the Blackhawks going to look like for the duration of their time in the NHL? Do you want to be Ryan Getzlaff, win your cup, and play it out? You know, one team, team loses, you mentor guys. Or do you still have that competitive fire to win more cups? Because you're not doing it in Chicago. Leafs third line center, Jonathan Taves, sound good to you? I can't imagine a better fit. And I'm not saying that anything other than I just can't imagine a better fit than a veteran, proven guy who can put it in the net when he's close to it. He can defend, he can yada, yada. Probably I know be- some of the analytics people will be mad at me for that because he's questionable numbers. Probably but. better than Patrick Kane. In terms of fit, you'd say? Be close. Oh, Patrick Kane shoots the net from the left wing? Yeah, it's pretty good, too. <laughs> hey, you get them both. What would you have to give up? <laughs> Kane and Taves package? To get both? Or I, just one? I think you'd have one. to go Nick Robertson and, and a third-round pick for both of them. That's what I, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> I think Taves has got a pretty good chance to end up in Colorado. Really? Whoa. Yes. That would be an interesting one. They makes a ton are of sense. in dire need of a second line guy. They will not fill in. 
Kadri's uh, spot until you've squeezed out the, the salary cap, mm-hmm. which will be March. And he will be in no different than Claude Giroux. He will have Chicago completely uh, over, a barrel. over a barrel, just like Claude Giroux did when he ended up in Florida. You won't probably get the value that you you should otherwise, and this is the only place I'm going to go. I see that scenario. Taves for at 50% for, you know, Whatever. the, the first. Like, like the Flyers, they yeah. will, you've earned the right to, you know, call your shot. You have, but I also think if you're Chicago, you, you're you not going to take nothing. We'd rather, you know, I don't think that's I don't good... think uh, Colorado would embarrass yeah. Chicago like that. Right. Um, what was it for Claude Giroux again? It was uh, nothing. It was, it was a second well, and. No, it was first round pick. It that was, was the first, I think. Owen Tippett. Right? Owen Tippett? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a uh, first? And a first. I think it was just Owen Tippett and a first for Claude Giroux. Yeah. I, okay. So a first round pick and Tippett. And Tippett is the... He plays. Yeah. He's on their team. Uh, I, yeah, that's about my analysis yes. of what he is. Yes. Yeah. So. They suck okay, very yeah, badly as well. Yeah. So, Taves has got eight goals. Last night on... Playing pretty well, isn't he? I mean, it's it's always hard to tell. Like, you can imagine... A what the key team? It'd be, it'd be, you could imagine what a kick in the ass it would be to go play for the Colorado Avalanche after stewing away with the crappy Blackhawks for a few years here. But yeah. Kane, on the other hand, I still see him. Don't say Boston. Telling Chicago, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. I'm staying the rest of the year. Really? I yeah. I I just can't I see him wanting to I'm do not, this. I'm for not four telling more you years. that it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm just telling you, I could totally see it. Um, Explain why. Freed just wants to finish out the season as a Chicago Blackhawk. Perhaps he doesn't want to choose his own destiny. uh, Well, he's going to choose it anyways. But do you want to choose it as your second team or do you want to choose it as your third team? Interesting. Right? Do I want to bounce around now for the next little while here or do I just want to stay here? Think about the team I'm going to re-sign with next year and pick my one spot. And I'm going to play for two teams in my career. I'm not playing with three. Um, our own Elliot Friedman had an interview on TNT last night where he he did uh, connect Kane with Boston. Oh, great. As a potential fit. Perfect. Someone that... Uh, Perfect. Yeah. And again... Uh, That'd be fun. You're, you're already just paying Bergeron and Krejci like three million bucks. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Oh, my right? God. Yeah, so you, you got... You got a lot of room to play with here. Yeah. Dom Lucision puts out his like uh yearly front runners for trophies and all the statistics have Bergeron as the Selkie leader oh, again. Great. <laughs> it's like great. Yeah. This guy's still just my, the best my, in the league at it. My weekly uh request, please retire. You've done enough. <laughs> go paint houses or something. <laughs> just, just get go a new be, job. Go for be a bit. rich. Yeah. They gotta go on a losing streak, the the Bruins, do they not? You know what's surprising with the Bruins is they have the best goaltending, the best team save percentage in the National Hockey League. Allmark and Swayman. I wouldn't have said going into the year that they had the best duo, but they're getting, un- I would say, better goaltending than the true talent of their goaltenders. When does Toronto go into Boston, Sammy? Good question. Do you want me to look that up right Remember now? last yes, year, Toronto and Florida, you know, like... Yeah, Boston doesn't have room. Remember no, Toronto? it's not that they don't have space. It's that they have more flexibility in moving people out yeah. that that can help. It's not like you're locked into 
four-star players. There's also the sneaky thing that, like, if you're below the salary cap by $1,000, it accrues. And you know, by the time you get to the deadline, you know, a lot of these teams that look like they have no space suddenly have some available money. That's I'm not saying that's Boston. I'm just, but... I... Yeah, that's not much. I'm just looking at the Leafs' schedule coming up here. And, you know, I was talking about January. They are playing a lot of hockey. God. They're already leading the NHL in games played. When do they, they not play? They're just play? playing so many games of hockey in January. So the <laughs> first the first uh, matchup with the Bruins in Boston is Saturday, January 14th. I think their schedule tends to be so weird. Remember last year they played Florida three times in like March? Stupid. And that was it for the year? It's like the, the hottest competition in the division. At least they get Tampa Yeah, but Saturday. You, you, you understand like uh, Florida wants the Leafs around March break, right? That's when they make a lot of money. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I didn't understand that, yeah. but now I do. Yeah. That makes sense. Snowbirds, Canadians exactly. in the winter, go watch your Leafers. It's a, it's a home game do for the think, Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you Leafs. think the, like a, a team like Florida wants that, wants to give them the Leafs a home game? They will take cash <laughs> any way they can. Yeah, we'll take an extra game with a lot of blue and white in the building for the money. Yeah. Okay. All right, what else do we have, Sammy? Sorry, I was just counting how many games. We are about to pass a deadline for Alex Formanton to sign a contract with the December 1st. Senators. They've had that uh, hard rule there for the last little while. Remember, William Nylander came up against it, didn't he? And signed, like, now, like, right this very minute, Mm -hmm. six years ago. I remember that very well. Five years ago. That was a... Did you buy into the Ottawa's way better and... Then as, last year, as, well, Valley our said, buddy Valley said that uh, I buy. This should into, be way better. They have more talent. They used to say, you know, it, it, the pesky sends thing felt like an under talented team that overperformed. This feels like a more talented group with some of the young guys being a little older. I really like Shane Pinto. He and, gets asked for a lot. Pinto. Yeah. 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 With they're Pierre asked. Dorian. Oh, really? Do you think if Eugene Melnick was still alive? He would have fired Dorian by now. I think Pierre Maguire would be the GM. (laughs) (laughs) I think about Pierre Dorian. Pierre Dorian is very loyal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, think about the bold move, the Brinkett, like Claude Giroux. Those are big decisions, and you turn around and still at the bottom. Like, that one would have been a tough one. You know, it's funny. Maybe it speaks to how close they, he thought they were. Remember like, two years ago he well, said that the rebounds part over? Of it. But that's, that, I mean. that's still part of it. But like, then they could get two forwards and think they fixed it, and it's like you got a whole other position to worry about. You know, Artem Zub can only do so much for you. Mm. The, the D situation is okay. Claude Giroux is humming along. He's got 20 points in 22 games. Yeah, I don't De- think he's disappointed. I do think you'd be disappointed that Jabrinkit's only got six in 22 games and he's been a 40-goal guy. And what's his qualifying offer? Oh, six billion? I don't no, know. Nine. Oh, the nine? Oh, my God. Really? How about Timo Meyer's qualifying offer this offseason? It's 10 million. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So those are big numbers. So just quickly before we go, I just got a tweet from, um, who said, Jason, uh, at Leaf Fan JP. Said, I was listening to your pod, and uh, the Leafs would still play Tampa in the old 1 8 format, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Does that make you feel better? No. <laughs> no. All right, what about 116? I don't know. Just do anyone so to play an Atlantic team for once. You got to catch Lord. Boston. Good Boston Lord. needs to hit a bit of a ditch here, and then. Oh, no, no ditch.
<laughs> they're going to have other like. No ditch for the Leafs. A... No ditch for Boston. Keep going. Son of a ditch. Good hockey. Our thanks to <laughs> Sam Constantino, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst, and uh, Steve Aliquette. What do you got tonight? You on there? Yep. I'm covering all the Canadian teams talking hockey. Your job tonight on Sportsnet yep. is to drop Real Kipper and Bourne twice. I don't know how you're going to do I, it. I accept your challenge. But you've got to drop our name. You got it. If buddy. the morning show can do it, damn it, you can too. Advertising. You All got right. It. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.